and welcome back to another episode. No, that's not it. I lost it. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome back. I was trying to do uh, McCarty's radio voice that he did so eloquent, eloquently on the uh, a few episodes ago. I don't remember which one it was, but go back and listen to them all to find it. Uh, this is another episode of First of All. Thank you for joining us again. Um, yeah, we do this every. Uh, we put it out every Thursday. We record every Wednesday. Um, and we love that you guys get to hear from us. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Nate, I appreciate um, I appreciate the attempt. Uh, I actually thought you had it. You probably would have just ran out of breath, to be honest. You were kind of up there. Um, but, you know, maybe we'll work on it. We'll get the radio voice down. I actually appreciate your compliment on my radio voice because I didn't actually think I had a good one. I feel like when I try to do impersonations and then I go back and listen to them. I like just sound the same. I like I'm monotone all the time. So, you know, it's good that you're actually seeing some inflection in my voice. And one of my favorite comedians about before his name is Chris D'Elia. He has a really funny intro that he does sometimes. And yeah, I thought you were going to, uh, not intentionally, but you were like getting close to me and like, this is, the first of all podcast episode, whatever of whatever, and we'll just move on. Like that's what he does. He doesn't even know what episode number it is. And he like doesn't even remember his episode or his podcast title half the time. So you were like almost there. Uh, maybe next week you'll, you'll nail the intro. Yeah. I don't know if yours was good, but it was definitely spot on. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that's kind of the point, right? Right. Um, so you know, Nate, you know, and our listeners know that typically our podcast is funny, I would say. Of course, that's subjective. Not everybody thinks we're funny. I think we're funny. Hey, then don't um, listen. We, you know what I mean? Don't listen. If it's not funny, don't listen. Okay. Yeah. Or listen podcast. and just all that. Yeah, whatever. Do whatever you want, but like we're funny. So if you don't think we're funny, you're wrong is basically what Nate's saying. Uh, but today... I was just on the phone with some of my family members, not all at the same time. Um, as some families pro- pa- probably do other than mine, we talk to each other on the phone like when we're in the car. And it's kind of like an obligation of our family that if somebody calls you from our family and that probably means they're in the car and you have to talk to them because at some point you're going to be the one that's driving and you need them to answer. So, Nate, real quick, does your family do that? Uh, no. I would say no, we don't. All right, well, it's a good practice. And also a little bit of it, which is not true in Nate's case, a little bit of it is that my family, none of us live near each other. So we're kind of like all over the place. So really the only time we get to talk is when we're on the phone. Um, Anyway, I was talking with them about a very specific time in our lives, in most people's lives, I would say. Most fortunate people uh, experience what I'm about to get into. And I think that I have a a revolutionary idea and it's not funny. There may be funny parts to this. So if you're looking for a funny episode, go back and listen to the first, I think it's, this is episode 23. So the first 22 episodes of our podcast, but this one, I'm like more Ted talk than ever is, is really what this one's going to be. And I'll give Nate some time. He doesn't have any idea what I'm about to say. Um, but I'll give him some time to chime in as well and see his thoughts on it. Cause I'm actually kind of intrigued by it. So I'll just get into like the premise of all of it. So the, the premise of it, inheritance. Okay. Inheritance for those that don't know, 
what that English word means is something that you get uh, when somebody, a generation before you, like a family member or a parent or something dies, and then their possessions become your possessions by default. That's usually how it goes. Okay. So when people, when old people die uh, that have lived like a decently, you know, middle-class life, they usually have a little bit of money and then it gets split up in their will usually goes to their kids. Okay. So that actually happened with my parents um, and my grandparents. So my grandparents um, unfortunately passed away. Uh, it's not sad because like they were old and ready to go. So let's just acknowledge that like there is an end to all of our lives. And sometimes it's not sad. It's not, it's like a good thing or like they're ready to go. And like, it's, they're so unhealthy that it's just like time for them to quit suffering. And that's how these were. Like, it wasn't sad. We all loved them dearly, but we celebrated their life. It wasn't a sad thing. Anyway, um, they left a significant amount of money to my parents. Now that's not the, this podcast is not about how to spend money wisely or anything like that. But I do think that our society has sort of created this wrong cycle of inheritance for our families. So think about it this way, Nate, this is where I want you to pay attention and then I'll give you a chance to speak. So think about my parents. I'm 24 They're They had me when they were like 30 something. So they're like going on 60 right now. And they just inherited a significant amount of money from their parents who were really old. Okay. So my parents have lived their adult life. So let's say 30 years without this money. And they're like, they're financially stable on their own. Their kids are out of the house. Now they have more money than they ever have because they don't have kids to worry about. And then they came into this money. And the plan is to like invest it and grow that money as they get older. And then when they die, my, my sisters and me will get the money. Now that's like typically how it goes. Now I, that's where I find a problem. Okay. There's this money. It doesn't matter the amount, but there's this money sitting in investment accounts that's growing and that's great. But when I get that money, God willing, they live to be how old their parents was, which was about 85 to 90. I would be about 60. I'd be their age, my parents age right now. And then I would inherit this money and I would already be financially stable. So what would I do? I'd put it in an account and let it grow. And then I'd will it to my kids when I die. So that's the standard cycle. Nate, are you following so far? I don't want to lose you. I know your mind gets a little caught up sometimes, you know? Uh, So we're, we're, that's typical. That's like how our society typically runs and there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that at all. My revolutionary idea is to give that money that you inherited to your kids or your family or whoever can make the most value of it right now. Okay. In this case, it would be me. Now, let me also explain, and Nate knows this about me, that I have severe self-awareness. Okay. I try to, and I know that me saying this as a 24 year old fresh out of college that needs the money very much right now that I know that I'm biased. Okay. Now you understand that I'm biased. I do. I do. Okay. So I want you guys to know that like, I get that it coming from me, it's not like the most pure source of information, but with that said, the logic still remains. Okay. So I have, I, I have no problem talking about this. So if you get weird about like real financial numbers, then that's on you, but I have about $50,000 left in student loans. Okay. 
if somebody were to give me $50,000, I don't care who it is. If somebody gave me $50,000, it would literally change my life. Literally. From the day I got it, it would change my life for the better. Now, I, I still eat and I have a roof over my head and I have clothes. Like I'm doing okay financially on my own. But having no debt right now in my life would be life-changing. It would really would in so many ways. And I'll get into like specifics as to why later. Um, but that's, that's the logic behind it. Okay. That money may, would mean so much to me, life-changing money to me right now, as opposed to getting it when I'm 60 and my parents die, God willing, they, they live for a long time and I live for a long time. And then I get that, that money. I don't need it then. It doesn't help me nearly as much then as it does now. And my parents don't need the money right now. And there's enough, frankly speaking, there's enough to go around. So they would still be living financially independent and, and healthy. And then also I would, instead of that money, just sitting in a bank somewhere and growing for me to get when I'm older and then put it in a bank again when it's growing. So what I'm saying is the value of that money is so much stronger to me right now if they were to give it to me now, then it would be in 30, 40 years when I would get it later. So I'll pause there and let Nate give his initial thoughts, but, and we'll, we'll keep going on it. But Nate, I'll, I'll give you a second to like ponder that and kind of out loud, just think, think about it. Oh boy. You got me in a initial thoughts, huh? Okay. I'm all over the place with this one. I just, so our listeners know I work in higher ed and I hated higher ed when I was in it and when I got out of it. And I think that there's the, you bring up the point of cycles. And I think that it's important to understand that I think cycles are generational, which would make them cycles. Um, and that in this current generation, so we're, you and I are millennials. We're like at the very, very edge of millennials. I didn't, I thought we were, first of all, I thought we were, uh, you know, pretty into the millennial generation, but it turns out based on ages, we're like, you know, pretty, close to being out of it did you know that mm-hmm. yeah are you saying like on the older or the, the younger, younger side? side yeah i because okay. I, I guess the oldest gen z is 23 so anyway the cycles are generational and so the the millennial cycle was like you know we were told to get bachelor's degrees right or we need a degree we need a college degree to do the jobs so everybody was getting a degree and part of that was that was required was the student loans and then Gen Z, they're telling them, maybe take a second, don't go to college or make sure that you can pay your way through college or go to a trade school where you make more money after college. So when you bring up the point of student loans, I have a ton of initial thoughts. But when you talk about the money, I agree with you to a point. But I also wonder if we would learn, would we learn our lesson with student loans or loans in general? if we knew that there was a a money handout coming. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that because that kind of leads into like what I was going to say further. Of course, my parents brought that up. Just so you know, I've been saying this, I've been saying the same stuff that I'm saying to you now to my parents and to my sisters, because I just wanted it to be logical. That's the way my mind operates. So that's true. Would we learn our lesson if we knew a payout was coming? Now there's a couple layers to that. One being we weren't I wasn't banking on this payout when I went to an expensive college I was not this 
I wish that it never happened. Like my grandparents would still be alive if this money didn't exist. In other words, they would still have the money and my parents wouldn't have it. So I wouldn't, you know, that's not like fair to say. Uh, this is all now retroactively trying to make the most out of this money that we've been given. Okay. You want to be, the Bible says we should be good stewards of our money. This is to me how you could be a good steward for multiple generations instead of just setting up one generation that's going to get this money in 40 years. Okay. Are you following me on that? Okay. So the other thing is my dad brought this up and he said, don't you think if we gave you the money to pay off your student loans right now, that would kind of be bailing you out for a decision that you made. Meaning I made the decision to go to an expensive college out of state and then I made the decision to have the job now that I have where I don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is a little unfair because there's only X amount of jobs that pay that and I'm not qualified for them yet. Anyway, he said, basically it would be a bailout for a decision that you made. Now, from a surface level, that's true. But if you think about the source of where the money came from, meaning it came from an inheritance that my dad and my mom did not earn themselves. They did not earn that money. They just existed and their parents had it. And now it's been given to them as a gift. They didn't earn it any more than I would earn it from them. So it can't be considered a bailout if you didn't actually earn that money. Now, if I had a gambling addiction and I racked up a bunch of debt and I asked my parents to refinance their mortgage or put their car up for collateral, that would be a bailout. That would be the logic behind that would be terrible. And they shouldn't do that. I would never ask them to do that. I wouldn't put myself in that situation anyway, but I wouldn't want them to do that. I wouldn't expect them to. Okay. But this money is a gift for them just as, as much as it would be for me. So that I can't, you can't consider that a bailout. The second thing is giving me and my sisters or anyone that's in the same similar situation and paying off those student loans so that I'm debt free sets me up to help my kids in the same way. And I was just talking to my older sister and I said, don't you think our grandparents who loved us dearly and love their kids dearly, wouldn't they be more proud of all the hard work and money that they saved up if it affected more people than just one generation behind them? Wouldn't they be more proud of that money if it affected their kids, their grandkids and their great grandkids all at the same time? Now, how would that work? Some of this let me also say, Nate, you're going to agree with this, and I hope that you see it this way too. My logic is based on a utopian world. Nate, you know what utopian yeah, means? Perfect. perfect. Okay. It's based on like nothing bad ever happening, which means it's flawed logic. I'm aware of that. Okay. The, what I, my logic is based on like my parents never getting sick, never getting like a major car crash where there's like a ton of medical bills, like all of that stuff is not being considered. And I would hope that that never happens. Sometimes in life, that kind of stuff happens and you need savings for it. That's true. But in the same way, my parents have been very financially savvy and already have money for that. So this stuff is all kind of just extra on top of that. So the little bit of that you have to take into consideration. I know not every situation is as you know, cut and dry as that. But where, I'm, where I, my logic continues is that let's say I pay off my student loans now and I pay about $1,000 a month in student loans, which is super high and super obnoxious because it's based on your salary when you get out of college. And I was fortunate enough to have a good job right out of college. Okay. That's not true anymore with my new job. So if I had an extra $1,000 a month that I wasn't 
paying to an endless cycle of student loans, I could one, be saving that money. So let's take 50,000 as the number in about four and a half years. If I saved that, that thousand dollars a month, I would already have that 50,000 back. Okay. That's probably not what I would, I wouldn't save all thousand of it every month. I would save some of it for sure. And I already do save some, but what I would do speaking tangibly is I would now have a really good debt to income ratio and I could afford to get a house, which I can't afford to do right now. I would be able to afford to get a house. I'd get a three bedroom house, lease out the other two bedrooms, make the tenants, the rent would equal what my mortgage payment would be. And probably a little bit more than that. And I could start having legitimate financial real estate or real estate and be a little bit more financially stable for years to come. And that sets up my kids. God willing, I actually have kids and have a family that sets up my kids to have their college paid for or whatever dreams they pursue. And now they can be financially stable. So it's sort of a ripple effect. If we take care of all of this right now, if we break the cycle of what has come before us. And my dad mentioned that a little bit. He said, well, why would we gift you this money so that you don't have the financial struggles that me and your mom had when we were out of college or had to learn, you know, the slow way, the way that we learned. And like some of that is true, except why not be the person to break that? Why not be good stewards of your money and also love your kids and the generations that come after you enough to break that so that we don't have to learn as in the same slow process or in the same fashion? Like I've learned enough about financial stability and how important or how life-changing this money would be in just two years of paying on these student loans already. So one, the lesson is learned. And I think you can learn more from being financially stable and understanding how you got there than having to suffer through it. I just think that like, there's no reason that logic shouldn't be true that like you have to learn because that's how I learned that can't we, if that was true, we history would be repeating itself every day. And that's just not a healthy way to progress. So I'll pause again because I need to get a glass of water and I've talked a lot to let Nate say some further thoughts if he has any, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. I know I've talked a lot, so I just want to give you a chance to speak. Well, I love that you called this revolutionary because that's exactly what it is because you're taking exactly everything that you're saying is you're taking an idea that people have uh, made into a fact that they would say is a fact and you are making it into something that, um, and you have a tangible plan to make it into something where you're showing proof that this could in fact be a better way than we are doing currently. And the, the thing that makes me think most about that, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that makes me think most about that is when we were in school, everybody, everybody, the message was, if you can't afford school, get student loans to afford school. And I think that uh, you and I coming from middle class families, the idea was that they would help pay a little bit, but for the most part, you're going to earn your way through. So I paid the vast majority of my school and by paid, I mean, I am currently paying for the student loans that I took out. So that was the message that we had was get out student loans to get your degree because everybody was saying you need a degree for the job that you're going to have. And in a sense, they were right for the time period. But as soon as we're out of college and you and I are seeing this now, the overwhelming message is you don't necessarily need a degree or you need a different type of degree. Um, There's a better way to pay your way through school and more schools now are actually doing debt forgiveness programs. Like speaking for myself, Ivy tech, this is kind of a little plug kind of goes along with it. We're doing a debt forgiveness program for students and it's a million dollar debt forgiveness program. 
um, and up to it's it's not a big amount, but up to twenty five hundred dollars of loans are going to be paid off for each individual student that goes through this application process. So there are schools that are making it attractive now to get rid of these loans. All of this to say, and what you are talking about is we are out now and we have this debt. And then, so the, the idea now, if we continue on the trajectory of what we're being taught is that you pay back the student loans until you're done. And then you begin to build the amount of money you have um, to, to do other things with, like you said, real estate's, a big one for um, our generation, you know, buy real estate and, and all that kind of stuff. But what you're saying is flip the script, the money that you are going to inherit when you're older, if you put it to use now, you could have more money later with a better life for those who come after you. And if that plan were to actually work based on the information that we believe uh, would make it work, then it would be a better plan than the original. But nobody that has saved up that money from that generation is going to want to do that because that is not the system or the cycle that they went through. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going along with my dad's logic, which is, well, that's not how we've done it. So why would we change it for you? It's like, well, that's true. But if, if we've done that for 2000 years, we'd be stuck in the middle ages or the, the stone ages, you know, like that's just not, it's not fair to say that, I think. And again, let me reiterate that I know that I'm biased. I know I am. I'm the one with $50,000 in student loans, okay? My parents don't have that problem, and it's their money to decide anyway. But I'm just saying the ripple effect of like how much you could impact by changing the life of me and then trusting me to make really good decisions financially, personally, for my family in the future could set my kids, their kids, and, and just on and on and on. It could set you up. And this is coming from middle class. Like Nate mentioned, like, I'm not the one that, you know, invented something and now I'm making millions that sets my family up for future. No, this is a way that I believe middle class families can kind of get on top of that debt problem. And Nate's kind of focusing more, which is okay. That is, this is a big element of this conversation, but he's focusing more on the student loan debt which is not necessarily what I'm getting at. I'm getting more at how to maximize that inheritance money, how to maximize that free gift that you didn't earn. Okay. Whether it's paying on student loans or not, like in my family's example, my older sister, she's three years older than me, had a little bit less debt coming out of college and has lived as an adult three years longer than me. So she naturally has less that she owes now. So if my parents are like, all right, we're just going to pay off all student loans for her all of our kids. Well, like my sister, my older sister would get the shaft. She doesn't have as many, but that's just it. She would get, let's say use 50,000 as the example. If all three of my parents' kids got 50,000, she could get that 50,000. Now she has, I don't know what the number is, but let's say she has 40,000 left in cash that she can use to buy a rental property or buy another car or put in trust for her kids that so that they go to college for free. Like she would retroactively be compensated for what she's paid already on her student loans. That way it's even for all of us. But even still that sets her up and her family up to be successful in the future as well. So I don't want to say like, it's just based on student loans. I think giving a gift of that inheritance money that you're not going to use anyway, right now, trusting your kids to make the most of it. Now, are there going to be families like the story in the Bible of the prodigal son that get their inheritance early and squander it? Yes, there are going to be people for 
the families that don't have kids like that or, you know, parents that trust their kids to make the best financial decisions, this could work. Again, it goes back to a utopian world where the best decisions are made, where there's not freak accidents or, you know, things that come up in life that cost a lot of money. That I know that that is a little bit flawed. For my family situation, it's kind of specific and I get that. But I think overarching logic is why are we stuck in this inheritance cycle where this money gets willed down, put in a bank or put in investment accounts and grown and then given to the next generation when they're older and don't need that money. I just think we're not making the most value on money that's just sitting in banks or going to be given to a generation after, you know, our parents die or whatever. We're just not making them the biggest value that we could out of that money. I think that giving it to young people or allowing them to become debt free or allowing them to start investing on their own makes that money more valuable. And I think that's, I think that's all I have to say about it. Nate, I'll give you one more time, one more chance to talk and then we'll move on. Yeah. And I, I think that you bring up a good point as a whole though, about, about the cycle process and um, there's no way to, there's no evidence to support, anything outside of a cycle right like it's we're doing the same thing over and over again so there's no evidence to support what you're saying so it's hard for anyone to say i'm not gonna i'm gonna give you this money early as opposed to when you're uh at you know kind of at your wisest like at 60 50 or 60 you've gone through enough life to know what that money is good for and i think that's honestly i believe that's why a lot of it goes into inheritance because at that point you're like I want to set my kids up. I want to, you know, set their kids up. I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And that's your wisest point. You don't ever think in your life, I'm going to set them up early so that they can set up far more generations and I can set up, you know, essentially they're investing in you um, instead of giving you that money when you're at your wisest. So my only thing is I, there's no proof um, to the contrary that, you know, this giving you this money now would be better than giving it to you later. And I think because of that, it's going to, it's going to be um, harder for anybody to step out of that cycle. Yeah, that's true. It, it's a gamble. I mean, what you're saying is it's a gamble and I get that. I get that. I, I really, really do. And you're right. I'm 24. You're 24. We have not lived enough life to really understand how that money could be best used. But I know for a fact, it's better used paying all of my student loans right now than it is for me to have it when I'm 65 and already financially stable. Like I, I, I can say that for a fact and people are going to disagree with that. Uh, it's going to come with, you know, if you have opinions on this, it's going to be based on your history, your financial situation, your family's financial situation. I understand that a lot of this has to do with my family coming into a very specific circumstance, but I think the overarching idea and logic goes to why are we not, trying to use the word set up your kids why are we not trying to make sure life is best for them longer meaning get me out of my student loan debt now so that i'm financially stable and debt free for longer than i would be when i'm 65 or whatever why are we not trying to do that when we have the resources and the ability to do it instead of waiting i think that's really like what it comes down to and i wasn't i wasn't sure that this would take on the whole podcast episode for this week. But um, I actually really enjoyed talking about this, like actually having like a specific topic for us to kind of talk back and forth. Um, Nate, we didn't debate on it as much as we might some other topics, but at least, you know, this was 
a nice change of pace, I think. Nate, yeah, good, I got man? a phone call right in the middle yeah. of that of that sentence. Um, <laughs> I did want to say though before we before we go out that we I want you guys to understand we are completely aware that this is a a middle class conversation um, and it can be used for for other classes too. We, we get that, but we don't want you to think that we're being insensitive to to any other classes or um, uh, any other people who come from different backgrounds. This is just a, a topic that's. Um, that fits McCarty and I, and we just want to make sure that that's known. Yeah, that's true, uh, Nate. It's good that you brought that up. But I also think, like, the whole premise of it is, like, thinking outside the box. That's what we do. Um, usually, it's, like, about something funny. Like, I have a topic written down that there was a parrot in my barber shop today, and that's stupid. Okay, people usually wouldn't even think to talk about that, but we do. We think outside the box, and this is what well, the, the inheritance discussion was more of, like, a serious take on that um and that's just I, I just want to encourage people whether this applies to you or not think outside the box think about how you could be revolutionary in the way that you live your life or the decisions that you make whether it's funny whether it's serious whether it's financial it doesn't matter but we encourage usually in a funny way today not so much to be revolutionary to be think outside the box and to, to just be more complex than what the world has given you. I think Nate can agree with that. That's, deep. Uh, that's probably that's deep. Yeah. That's not usually our, our podcast is not this deep, but you know what? Sometimes we're open to change and um, there's going to be more opportunities for this. So Nate, why don't you uh, wrap us up? Thanks for uh, listening guys. Um, I know this is a, this is a long one, but I also think this is a pretty relevant topic for right now. I think there's a lot of people talking about, I know I talked a lot about student loans. I just want to throw in there. It's a one point, it's at least a $1.3 trillion problem right now. And a lot of people are talking about it. It's the center of a lot of presidential debates and uh, a lot of platforms um, other than that, this this idea that McCarty has and, and being able to tell you guys, um, think outside of the box, um, please comment on this. Let us know how you feel. Um, we have our Facebook page. Go uh, like us on the First of All Facebook page. Let us know what you think and let us know what we can talk about in the future. Um, but thanks for listening. Thank you, guys.